Welcome to The Rural Rockstar, a podcast dedicated to empowering rural women with the tools and inspiration to transform their lives and businesses from the inside out. I share my journey of Survive to Thrive in life and business, and I show what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I also interview other rockstar women from around the world to inspire you to do it too. My mission is to empower the next generation of rural changemakers to show up and be the leaders we need. I'm Katrina, your rockstar host. Let's rock. Hello, welcome back to the Rural Rockstar. I'm your host, Katrina Myers, and today I'm joined by Cynthia Marnie. Hi, Cynthia. Hello, Katrina, and hello, listeners. Yes, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so exciting to have Cynthia on. Cynthia and I have known each other for, well, about five years now, I think. It goes back a little while. So really, really excited to delve into Cynthia's journey and leadership, all the good things that I love to talk about. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background as into Cynthia's kind of how she got to this point, and then I'm going to ask her to tell us her story. And then we'll delve into all things leadership and self-development and all the lovely things that we love to talk about. So Cynthia is a facilitator, coach, mentor, speaker, and author in the process of writing a new book, which we will hear about, with a passion for personal disruption, neuroscience, positive psychology, courageous conversations, high performance, and well-being, which is just awesome because it's all the things that I absolutely love to talk about. (laughs) The <laughs> mantra is taken from the latest research is and it's it is taken from the latest research and it is happier people are high, higher performing and she strives to help leaders and teams achieve this in the workplace. Cynthia's made a successful leap from an extensive career in government to founding her own leadership development practice Cynthia Mahoney and Associates. 8 years ago now Through her practice, Cynthia has created a way to combine her entrepreneurial spirit with her passion for developing people to be their best and her skills and talent in facilitation. Her journey of self-discovery, along with her empathy, authenticity and commitment to courage, growth and self-leadership, enabled her to help people, teams and organisations make positive change and achieve professional and personal success. So what an awesome bio. I just love that so much. Yeah, I I wrote that one myself and, um, yeah. Love it. It's so good. Pump up up my own tyres there. Yeah, which we absolutely all should do. And it's part of being a good leader is being able to be confident and talk, you know, well about ourselves. So I love that. (laughs) Yes, so much good stuff in there, which I'm very much looking forward to unpacking today. So, Cynthia, you have a focus for regional and rural Australia and that's where you kind of most of your services and the consulting work and all the work that you do, that's where your main focus is. So tell us, how did you get to be doing the work that you're doing now and starting your own business and and to where you are now? Oh, thanks, Katrina. Uh, Yes, so I did ag science. My dad, I grew up in Benalla in northeast Victoria and my dad was the manager of the Department of Ag in Benalla. And he always loved his job and there were just so many amazing people. Like our our house was, because Dad was the manager, like everyone would come over um, and we'd have department functions and there were just always all these great people there and they had so much fun and they were very interesting. And when I did um, Year 12, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. The light bulb hadn't hit me. But ag science had so many different things in it because it had the it had the science which I enjoyed but it also had economics which I loved and it had at the time and um, it also had I was a bit interested in journalism as well so it did sociology and it did um, some of the, you know extension and so it had everything and therefore I could procrastinate and not make a choice for a bit longer um, <laughs> So anyway, but but I got really um, got interested in extension and ended up after graduation at the Department of Ag in Tatura, um, where I worked for about and Kyabrim worked for eight years or so. And I I started out as an economist, um, but then I realised I was very much more interested in people and how they changed. Um, and how they made decisions about their farm businesses. And my research showed that people ended up making decisions about their farm businesses based on what was going on in their personal lives and with their families and the stage of development they were at with their families. So um, I got really interested in facilitation and um, personal development 
and um, had a 17-year career in the department, lots of ups and downs and lots of different roles. But about 10 years ago now, I I love facilitation and I realised that um, the department at the time just wasn't doing as much direct work with the community and so I ended up thinking, right, no, I really, I don't want to lose these great skills that I've got. And I've, I was interested in leadership, had done a few leadership programs, um, facilitated them. So made the plunge and resigned after 17 years with nothing to go to. And um, it was really interesting because sometimes there's this mantra of just make a decision, just do something. And so for years I dithered thinking, I don't know what the next step is. And so I didn't have anything to go to. So I didn't make a decision. I stayed and I was really unhappy. And I loved the work, but I was personally very unhappy there. And just deciding to close a door, I'd been waiting for these other doors to appear and magically open and they didn't. But once I decided to close that door, all these other doors opened for me. And so now I run my own practice where I'm working with a lot of rural and regional leaders, teams, communities, um, and I coach. And um, every day I wake up thinking, well, most of the time, I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be a great day today because I'm working, I'm doing this great stuff that I love. Oh, I love that so much. And that's the goal, isn't it? Now, we should also mention that you're in lockdown in Melbourne and we can hear a gorgeous dog in the background. Oh, my God, really? So sorry, that's Alfie. Alfie's whining. Elfie, and there's a cat somewhere as well. So if you hear the dog and the cat, they are okay. <laughs> They're just, we're all in this, you know, lovely stage of lockdown together where we just have to make the best of each situation, don't we? So we love that. Um, <laughs> so isn't it just, because I've been experiencing that like now as I've started to, you know, move into creating my own business too. And isn't it just such a great place to get to where you can wake up and you love what you're doing? And that's, isn't that just what you want for everybody yes. as well? I feel like I just want that for everyone. Yes. Yeah. I never want anyone to go through what I did for years in there, yes. not really wanting to be there, knowing that I was squashing myself and, and trying to make myself fit into a box. Mm that that I didn't it wasn't me and I was masking and hiding myself just to just to stay out of trouble and not um and just survive in there so so for me sometimes work feels like war mm. it feels like you're going in you can be going in every day putting on your armor and just bracing yourself I don't know for something to something to happen when you're not happy um and so to, for me now, just to have that freedom of not having any of that, not because I wasn't psychologically safe, like now that that terms come, come, um, you know, we know what it means and what it means from the research is that people feel safe to go to work where they can be themselves, they don't have to hide and they're not, if they're themselves, they're not going to be judged or punished for speaking up, for saying what they need to say and, and just for being who they are. Mm-hmm. And I guess at times I felt um, just being who I was was effect- was offensive in a way to some people in the organisation. And so I did not feel psychologically safe for a long time and it can be very damaging for your mental health. Yeah, so feeling psychologically safe at work but also in the community, I would say, like in, and in terms of leadership, this is where I really experienced a similar thing in our community, not feeling like it was safe to express my opinion and to be myself and like people were really offended by you know things that I was saying in our community in relation to water policy and stuff so completely agree with you that it's so so important and you know we we all have the right to feel safe to be able to express ourselves in whatever way we see fit really it's because because you know we're all coming to, to life from a different perspective as long as we're not offending other people as such but if we're just expressing our inner truth and our true selves we should be able to, to do that. So what's your advice then? I was thinking, you know, for someone who's sort of maybe not 17 years into a career that they don't love or if mm-hmm. even if they are, like whatever point they're at, but if they're not feeling psychologically safe or happy at work or happy in what they're doing, mm-hmm. how do they go from that to taking yeah. the leap to doing something that is going to be more fulfilling? What's your advice for that? Oh, uh, look, that it's really tricky and it comes down to I think choice, you know, lots of people are doing what they do because they feel like 
I think that there's no other option. They're on a, you know, they're in a, on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the most important thing is to find a group of people that are like-minded. Mm-hmm. So if that's not at work, if you can't do that at work, and hopefully you can find at least one or two people at work that you can, um, you know, that are kindred spirits. But it, I just think it's really important to have a group of people around you in your life somewhere where you can be totally yourself and your, you know, your um, free free to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I, I'm so at the moment, Katrina. As as we've discussed before, I'm writing this book, and it, and it started out actually as a high performing teams book because that was a lot of the work that I do. And then sort of over the last year, I've just gone high performance. That's so. I think that's leading to a lot of the problems that we're experiencing in the workplace. Like if you think of the word high performance and it's it, when you look it up, it's like you've got more, 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 go, 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 deliver, deliver, deliver. And it's and it's um it's it's continual. Like there's no room there to have a break or to have a or to not be okay. Um and the other thing with performance is that you're putting on a performance of high performance. Like if you're not high performing and you're not living your best life, well, there's something wrong. So I decided to actually not write that book and write another one. And I've called it Cultivate and it's for rural and regional leaders. And it actually is all about how do we be ourselves and make it okay to be ourselves um, and not and not be okay, but but be in communities, be in industries, be in teams, be in, in organizations where the culture is cultivating. Cultivating to me is nurturing, nourishing. It allows for ups and downs. It's accepting. It's psychologically safe. It's emotionally courageous. It's um, leaders and and people have um, have uh, they want to be self reflective and self aware and do that personal development because the first place for leadership to start is with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things that I've, I did was I sent out a survey to my network and interestingly all women responded, which, I mean, I know I've got a lot of women in my network, but I was surprised that some guys didn't respond. And I asked what were the behaviours that you wanted to get rid of that were the dinosaur behaviours in your community or industry or organisation and then what were the ones that, who were the leaders that inspired you and what behaviours did they show? Um, do you want me to go through some of those, Katrina? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay. So, so, so this is like, you know, what you were talking about with your community of not being psychologically safe. And I've noticed, um, I work a lot with ag and, and, and health actually, I've been working a lot with and health are notorious for not being psychologically safe. Um, but I think ag is as well. So the people that responded were ag people in the ag industry. And so they said that the behaviors they saw that they just wanted the dinosaur old school behaviours were top-down leadership, dominating, patriarchal, my way or the highway, nepotism and overlooking talent in favour of who they know, micromanagement, like selecting like, excluding, combative, talking the talk but not often walking the walk, undermining others, seeing others as threats, stomp on people to get ahead, boys club mentality, limited creativity, arrogance, shying away from difficult conversations and decisions, lack of integrity, blah, 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 dehumanising stuff, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. So I've noticed that a lot uh-huh. um, in you just look at federal parliament, <laughs> hello, like you look at um, like I remember being at a, a leadership program for a rural industry and we were doing something for young leaders. It was a dinner and the head of the industry association got up at this national dinner where the minister was at and it proceeded to abuse the minister and do this big chest-beating bully boy kind of um, arrogant name-calling, finger-pointing, shaming and it was supposed to be about the graduates and he just turned it into a, a way of um, scoring some political points to this industry audience. And we'd spent a year with this group talking about the opposite of that, 
And that was the behaviour that was on display. And I I do see that a bit, in particularly in in political organisations for ag and some of the industry associations. And the thing is, people don't want it. They're sick of it. It, 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 and, and all the research says that it actually does not get the best out of people, mm-hmm. that it's counterproductive. So for me, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Oh, good. So for me, being an asshole doesn't work as a leader, and yet there are a lot of assholes out there mm. that, are, that some people seem to think that's how you lead. Mm. But it's actually not that at all. It's the opposite. And so the behaviours that people... Um, admired and want to see more of are always challenges you to be your best self open to suggestions and change coaches listens to all people from all walks of life helps others grow and develop inclusive humble willing to share putting collective outcomes well above self-interest approachable calm allows people to have a go and make mistakes but steps in to help when necessary, never coming becoming defensive or irritated when provided with feedback or recommendations to improve, building people up, telling the truth no matter how difficult, authentic, relatable and careable and blah, 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 blah. So they're the behaviours that provide a psychologically safe environment and from a brain point of view, brain science point of view, when we're safe, We operate out of the higher functioning part of our brain, the one that enables us to perform at our best. And when we're in a bullying, um, jerky, dominating, arrogant environment where you don't feel safe, you're operating out of the amygdala, which is the primitive part of the brain, the reptile part, and all you're trying to do is survive or you might fight back. So that's that fight, flight, freeze and appease. So you're either fighting back, you're running away, you're just sitting there in shock, unable to say something, and that's what I do when I'm being abused by someone, And um, or you're like, oh, my God, are you okay? You are, you know, oh, I'll make it okay. I'll make it okay. So, so for these people to be called leaders, oh. it makes me really frustrated because they're not leaders. They're the opposite of leaders. And what I want to do with my book, and I'm, that's why I love what you do, Katrina, you're having conversations so that we can actually, you, this comes back to your original question, what do people do when they're not in that environment? Well, we, I think we all have to band together. The vast majority of us who don't want to see this kind of rubbish go on, we've got to band together. We've got to call it out when we can. We've got to um, be courageous. Um, and we've got to make it known that that that's not okay. It's not as Brene says, what's not what's okay and what's not okay. That's not okay. Mm. Um, which I know is easier said than done, but I think if enough of us do it, like if you're on a committee and you've got a bully chair mm. and there's a few of you that think it, then don't just let it go and you're all in the car park afterwards chatting about it and bitching about it, actually do something about it collectively and have a strategy. Mm. Um, That would be my, and we've got to kind of, um, it's like the emperor's new clothes, you know, the emperor is naked and everyone knows it, but no one tells them. Well, what we've got to do, I think, with some of these leaders is um, show that they don't have any clothes. But there's also compassion here as well because sometimes a friend of mine said, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And I think, Julie, lots of people have said that. But in rural and regional, if this is how people learn to be leaders, oh, then it's no surprise that that's what they think is leadership. So, again, for compassion, like some of these people are, are lead this way because they actually don't know another way to lead. Yes. So, again, how do we have the conversations and make it okay for people to make mistakes that we can have open conversations and that we can learn different ways and showcase different ways of leadership. Okay, so much nodding from me, just absolutely nodding to all of that. (laughs) And the other thing that's just blaringly obvious from what you're saying is that we've just been so masculine dominated in the leadership and what we really, all those qualities that you listed that people want are feminine qualities. (laughs) And I've been talking about this so much more lately because it's just becoming so much more blaringly obvious and all the work that I do in the like kind of wellbeing, NLP, um, law of attraction, even the spiritual space is that we need, there's this feminine uprising that needs to happen and it is happening 
but all of those qualities are feminine qualities. And so, of course, we're not seeing that because, you know, history has been dominated by masculine leadership. And so it's not that, and the other thing that I actually love about that I've been learning about lately is not that we need, we don't need the feminine to come in over the top and kind of override. What we need is the coming together of the balance of the two. And what we've haven't had is the yeah. balance we've, yeah. we've we've been so dominant by the masculine and it's you know overtaken everything else so I just love what you were saying because really we need more feminine we need more females to yeah. which is you know a big part of why I've created this podcast is to get women rocking their lives so they can step up and share their voices in a more you know confident way I guess and something else that I wanted to ask you about is you know, self-discovery and self-reflection and self-development is something that you're very passionate about in terms of leadership and how that relates to leadership. And this is something that I see in my experience, I've seen women are a lot better at having self-awareness, doing the self-discovery, doing the personal development. It's another area that I see is really lacking, particularly in rural Australia. When I look to the leadership that I saw in in our local community in the water space, it was all male dominated really mm. by people by men who are really acting out of fear and shame and blame and victimhood and and no self-discovery or self-development or you know self-awareness at all so can you tell us about how important that is like why it's so important to have self-discovery self-awareness all that as part of becoming a good leader or leadership yeah well well I think just to comfort everyone out there that the um there was a there's a psychologist uh Tasha Urich, Dr. Tasha Urich, mm-hmm. organizational psychologist, and she's done work, she did a five-year study, and she showed that 95% of us think we're self-aware, <laughs> but only 10 to 15% of us actually are self-aware. Yes. <laughs> so no wonder we're so we're all bumbling around in life thinking we know what's going on, and actually most of us have got no idea. And I like that she says self-awareness is in two parts and just because you're good at one doesn't mean that you're good at the other. And the first part is that self-awareness, which I think is what we would typically think is self-aware, what's going on within you, how, how what's what's happening internally, what's your self-talk, what are your emotions, being able to then um, not let those, not be a robot and not be a slave to just reacting to your to your defaults and your emotions, but actually to interrupt because you're aware you can go, oh, that's interesting self-talk or, oh, I'm really angry right now. I need to take a deep breath. So when you're self-aware like that, you can actually interrupt it, disrupt it and choose a better, better response so that rather than stimulus response without thinking, reaction. Stimul- sorry, reaction, your yep. stimulus, take a pause, and then respond. Yes. So that's the first part of self-awareness. And, you know, I know I've got brothers. I don't have children, but I've got brothers. And a lot of the time there's, they say something and I'm like, straight back. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, whoopsies, didn't put the pause button on there and perhaps check. So, you know, we're all human. We, we yeah. do that. But we can improve. It's like a muscle. The second part of self-awareness, though, is how aware are we of how we are seen by others and experienced mm-hmm. by others? And we've all got blind spots, and this is where I think, you know, a lot of us aren't great because we're using a strength or we're passionate about something or we're, um, you know, we're, we know what's going on inside us so that we're behaving in a certain way, but other people it can experience us in a totally different way. So. My brother Josh in Achuka, g'day Joshy. Uh, I was asking him um, questions because I love him and I'm very curious. That's one of my strengths. I'm curious. So I was, you know, Josh, how are you and what's going on? And, you know, how do you feel about that? And, blah, blah, blah. and Josh just went, God, you are nosy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, 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 no, I'm not nosy. I'm curious. <laughs> and then I realized that. You know, uh, so my intent was love and care, but he was seeing busybody, overstepping, sticking your nose in, and I had no idea that's how he was experiencing me because he couldn't see my motivation. So so I was using that strength. So that strength's great in a coaching scenario, like I'd need to be asking lots of questions. But with my brother, 
he doesn't want that. That's not something that he and and I was it was a blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, often we can be experienced in ways that we we just do not realize. And I I reckon some 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 of the things I'm wondering when we see these behaviors, like of these leaders that behave in that masculine way, and it's not just men, women oh. behave in the masculine um, in the masculine way as well. Um, I wonder sometimes if they, number one, are they just being robots on autopilot where they're just reacting and they're not self-aware? And number two, do actually they realise, like they might be playing a political game or they might think it's okay and it doesn't mean much, but they have no idea of the negative impact that they're having on other people. Mm. Um yeah, and, and the thing I just want to come back to when you were talking about masculine models and female models, you know, for, for me, a lot of all the young leaders I've worked with, male and female, they don't want the masculine-dominated style. That's not what the men want. The young guys, and, and, I, and not just young guys, but men want authentic, honest, safe um, environments where they can flourish. and. I think, yeah, by having these, I'm sure you've talked about this, but by having these narrow definitions of leaders and acceptable ways to behave, mm-hmm. it really um, robs men and women, but I think sometimes particularly men, mm-hmm. the opportunity to grow and develop and become whole, express mm-hmm. express their true selves. And it's that's really sad. So I reckon if we can create spaces where it's okay to be yourself, like, that it's mental health burnout mm. all of those i think that's what's leading to a lot of the problems that we're seeing in workplaces and communities because people don't feel like they can be themselves yes true and i want to get into what leadership actually is to you but a couple of things on that is one is people are scared to be themselves they don't know what it means to be themselves and then even if they do they're scared but also so you know to bring it back to kind of my experience to ask you what you think like People in, I feel like people interpreted me in completely the wrong way too. Like I 100% authentically felt like I, my intentions were just so good. I just wanted to help the community, you know, help them move forward, show them that it was going to be okay. But I couldn't really get that message across. And I'm not really sure what people thought my motive was, to be honest. Like I knew that it was 100% pure. So that's tricky too, I think, because you can be having the absolute best intentions, but sometimes it's really maybe you don't have quite the communication skills or, you know, like I am very aware that I have this sort of tone and it's overbearing and people can take that the wrong way. So, like, there's there's so many elements, isn't there, to having, you know, the self-awareness, the self-compassion, the skills, you know, to be yeah. a good leader. Is, there's so many elements to it, I think. So maybe that's a good place to ask you, like, what makes a good leader and, you know, how do you what is what is good leadership mm, mm. so um so again coming back to a classic study of um, leadership daniel goldman um he's done the you know foundational stuff around leadership so uh, leadership's not one thing to me it's it's mm. about being adaptable depending on who it is that you're dealing with so therefore it means being able to meet people where they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 and because everyone's going to require different different styles at different times. So, um, and so I guess that's why possibly a coaching, you know, the coaching leader, that's a, a really great leadership style because you can, um, um, you know, you, you're asking people, you're empowering them, they're coming up with their own solutions. But in, and that's okay when you've got time to do that. But if you're in a bushfire, you don't want to be asking people, consulting people. Like you need that authoritarian top-down, we're going to do this, I'm making a decision, we're in an emergency. Daniel Andrews, I'm going to really cheese people off for talking about Daniel Andrews probably right now, but, um, you know, you in that situation of emergency, a decision needs to be made and you need to be the one to go, I've made it, this is the way it is, it is my way or the highway. But like everything, if that's the only thing that you've got, if that's the only golf club in your bag to play all the shots with, if you've only got a putter to play a drive and all the other shots, then that's not great. 
So, so I think the, the art of leadership is being able to do a number of, have a number of styles. Like, and at other times in a, in a community sense, you know, you might need to be that visionary, mm. hey, everyone, I've got a vision, let's, I'll take you there, I'll take you there. But that, that's only when you're starting something, you know, um, and then, you, you, then you've actually got to make it happen. So then it's a different type of leadership. If you've got a project that, that needs delivery, you might want to be going, right, team, pace setting, let's lift the bar, let's go, 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 come on. And that's sort of the high performance for me. That's the perform, 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 lift your game, I want you to hit this target. But, again, if you only do that all the time, that exhausts people. So I just my definition of leadership is there isn't one, there's lots of different styles that you need and the art of leadership is I guess being able to look at a situation assess it and say and the person or people and say right which golf club do I need to get out of my bag right now to to play this particular shot Mm -hmm. and I and I reckon that that's what I mean by having compassion for some of our leaders that they just know one way and so it's sort of not their fault because that's the only club they've got in their bag to play the shots. So how do we, how do we, um, yeah, how do we educate people and um, raise the, you know, just, just if we want, if we want people to perform, we've got to be using different, different styles for different situations. Yes, I love that. I think that's such great advice. And and, and self-compassion is a huge piece of this and also not like, it's no good, as you say, just going and blaming and finger pointing and saying, oh, well, you've done it all wrong all this time. Yeah. It's it's not the men's fault. It's not the current leader's fault. It's just we've got to work with what we're, where we're at now to move yeah. forward and make it better because, as you say, like that's just the way it's being done and it's not yeah. their fault. Yeah, no, they've done, they've done, no, they've done what, you know, some someone I um, was speaking to in a, in a, um, an ag organisation said, I think what happens is some people, they start off at a local level and they're really passionate about an issue. And so they're beating their chest and they're like, you know, I'm standing up for this issue and they're quite aggressive about it. And that's seen as good leadership at a really local level because it's about one thing. It's about one thing. So then they get rewarded for that. Oh, can you go on this next committee that's a bit higher? And so that behaviour worked for them then and so they go up the chain a bit and they do the same behaviour because that's all they know and it worked for them. But as they go higher up, this person said, they get to like the state level where it's got to be collaborative and it's got to be actually not about me but about us and about we. And But what happens is when the um, when the shit hits the fan and, and a decision's got to be made, they all come back to me. And so their own interests and the we goes out the window and they revert to the the chest beating, the bullying, the pink, the finger pointing, the shaming, because again, that's all they that's all they've seen and that's that's what's worked in the past. So again, like so this is why leadership, like everyone is a leader, and I know you think that too, Katrina. Everyone is a leader of their own life. Everyone leads in some way. So leadership's not, again, leadership's not a role. Leadership is an activity. Mm-hmm. It is what you choose to do every day in your life. So each one of us makes decisions and each one of us behaves in certain ways. And so we, we're, we're all leaders of ourselves and of our own lives. So I, I just reckon sometimes um, some of those, you know, patterns of behaviour that we see or the dominant cultures um, are very unthinking and they're not reflective. They're not reflective cultures. And, again, like Brene says, love Brene, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So if no one's ever given anyone feedback that this is not okay, then it's sort of unfair, again, to expect that people are going to do things differently. Yes. Um, but, it's, again, it's, that, that, assumes, that assumes that people have the best intentions and some people don't have the best intentions. Some people actually are, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings that happen but there are some players out there, like let's be, so you've got to kind of also 
realise who you can trust and and be a little bit savvy and seek some advice that way. But, again, if you did have a player or, you know, a politically driven person, again, I, I think it's getting a few of you together to 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 have strength in um, the collective and that is role modeled so perfectly by the voices for indie movement in northeast victoria so we had kathy mcgowan and now we've got helen haynes both terrific women who were mentioned in my feedback as inspirational leaders but this was this voices for indie movement um was was about the community coming together and saying we don't want the old party political leadership, we actually want to come together and um, consult, um, work out what our issues are and collectively take responsibility for that and find a way. And then they happened to talk Cathy into representing um, that movement. And so now we've got some independents in parliament that do act in a different way and that do role model a different way of leadership that that is respected and um but they've had to do it outside the traditional system so they've had to find their own way so again i mean that's an opportunity if the existing systems aren't working for us are there other ways that we could do things mm-hmm. that that we could create our own um you know our own committees or organizations or where we do um role model the the behaviors that that we want to see Mm, yeah so a couple of things came to mind there one was that you know so few of us really do the personal development work full stop let alone the people who go on to be leaders you know I mean you know in the general world like there's not many people who are doing the inner work the self-development work self-awareness work all of that stuff just in general so it's hard to expect that we would have many leaders that have those capacities and then the other thing to pick up on there was this community element, you know, something that I was thinking about as you were talking there was it's so important to have that that collective, you know, and mm. don't try to be that lone range, which might have been where I went a little bit wrong too, was mm. it would have been better to sort of work as a, as, a, as a groundswell or build up some more kind of support rather than trying to go out there by myself saying mm. stuff, you know. It, that's mm. an important element of it too, and I think that's where, the, the Voices for Indi has has been so successful as a real community yes. support element to it. So I think that's really important as well. But that's an interesting, Katrina. That's a really interesting um, insight about your own experience. Yes. Yep. Mm. Lots of lots of interesting insights and reflections about mm. my experience. So many learnings, which yeah. is, you know, and that's the great place. I think that's that is, you know, something that I'm proud of in my own work and the self-development work and the self-reflection work is that now when I have challenging situations, you can see them as learning experiences, not as, you know, oh, well, I failed there, I did this all wrong. It's more like, okay, well, you know, I I could have done that better and what have I learned from that? And I think that's where we all want to be getting to and it's part of the work. It's what I'm trying to help people with is that it's the growth and the learning and all of that that makes us better leaders, better individuals and better community people and family members and all those sorts of things so 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 important yeah yeah but something I wanted to ask you about it's you know in relation to self-development personal development work really is I I really I remember back to where I first met you was at Imagine the Possibilities in Echuca probably about five years ago now I think and you were doing a workshop and it was maybe it was even longer because it was around the time when I was really just starting to do the personal development work and the inner work and I'd just been learning about the different voices and you you know you are not your thoughts and and I, you know I you know just sort of started to tipping into that and I remember your talk and you talked about the bus and <laughs> the people on the bus and all these different voices and you know I would love you to talk to us about that because I think it's such a great analogy for the personal development work and and you, you really you touched on it earlier about understanding the thoughts that you have being able to be aware of them and then you know not reacting but responding and having that self-reflection so tell us about the bus and how that analogy because I love it yeah thanks Katrina it is it's a it's fun 
it's a fun way at looking at a serious topic, which is what I like about it. And it was designed by a wonderful facilitator called Glenn Oka from an organisation called Group Works. Um, They do a lot of facilitation training. Glenn died a few years ago, but she, um, she's amazing, amazing um, facilitator. So I really want to um, honour her in telling this story and um, about the, about the community of selves. So she's, um, so I, I don't just have one little voice in my head. I've got hundreds of them. (laughs) There's a whole, uh, there's a whole town in there. And, um, so what Glenn said is that, yeah, we've got this community of selves in our heads and um, they're the little voices that, again, um, tell us, you know, for me, I, I would have given the, the story to you of in the morning, I'm like the alarm goes off and it's like, yeah, let's get up and go for a run. Yeah, I'm so excited about the day. And then and then this other little voice pops in going, oh, but you didn't sleep well last night and you had a really busy day yesterday and, you know, your poor old thing, I think you just should sleep in. And then the other voice is like, no, no, let's go. You know you're going to feel better. And then the other voice goes, no, but, you know, you could do it later, just do it later. And um, so already, you know, it's only 6 o'clock in the morning and there's a battle going on in my head between these couple of little voices. And so who do I listen to that actually lockdown and for the last few years has been the sabotaging Sally I've called her and sabotaging Sally's the you know your poor old thing eat the ice cream eat the ice cream go on the Ben and Jerry's triple caramel chunk and um but I've got other voices in my head and Glenn talks about just having a think about who these little people are and um giving them a name and so another one of mine's Anxious Annie, and that's like, oh, what will they think of you? Um, you haven't done enough work. You've got to keep preparing. Um, what if it goes wrong? What if this happens? What if that happens? And then I've got Angry Ant, which is like road rage and um, when my brothers annoy me. And, um, uh, and then I've got Judge Judy, which is, oh, look at them. Look at them. Look at her. <laughs> and Judge Judy also does a look at me, like, you know, um, what are they going to think? You'll look like an idiot. How could you be on this co- podcast with Katrina? You're not a rural rock star. Come on. Why Why are you on this podcast? <laughs> so so um, we've got, yeah, we've got all these voices, and but they're coming from a good place generally. So generally that behaviour's come from a time where we've um, it's worked for us. It's kept us safe. So all these voices are trying to keep us safe. So Anxious Annie trying to protect me because if something goes wrong, maybe if you've thought about it beforehand, it won't hurt as much. Or to judge Judy, if you, again, like if someone thinks you're an idiot, then, um, you know, maybe don't do this because you don't want people to think you're an idiot. So they, they in trying to keep you safe, they keep you smaller. And Glenn asks to think about they're all on a bus with you and, if you let one of them drive the bus, what happens? So if I let Judge Judy drive the bus, I wouldn't have got on this podcast Mm -hmm. with you. Um, If I let Angry Ant drive the bus, then I'm not going to have great relationships. But ironically, they want that for me. They want me to have great relationships. They want me to shine. They want me to, but they're they're coming from a place where, you know, often we're from childhood. So she just says, have a think about the bus. And you've got your wise self as well. And your wise self is your best self. And it's the one that sees all these other little people, loves them, understands where they're coming from. And so when you want to perform and when you want to be at your best, you want to be in your wise self. So just being able to go, okay, Anxious Annie, thanks for that. I know what you're trying to do, but I don't need you to drive the bus right now. Can you go and sit at the back and I'll I'll drive the bus? Um, so, so what I'd encourage people to do is just map their community of selves, have a bit of a think about it, name who they are, name the gift that they're trying to give you, but, and then also have a think about what it feels like when you're in your wise self. How do you, if you were a fly on the wall, seeing your wise self in action, how physically, what, how would they sound? How would they look How bodily? How does it feel to be in your wise self? And, um, and so when I'm facilitating, I'm in my wise self. 
because I can't have distractions. I'm actually totally present. And funnily enough, if I clench my fists, that anchors me mm-hmm. and it gets me into my wise self. I, it, it calms me. So often there might be just something that you might be able to do physically that that um, helps you get into your wise self. Mm, I love that so much. It's such good advice. And what I'm thinking listening to you is that, you know, obviously so passionate about seeing more women's voices and more, you know, rural women leaders and women leaders everywhere. And one of the things is the more that we can step into our wise self as women, the more likely we are to be able to mm. step up, share our voices and get more visible. And so like just and, that. And it's a constant battle. Yes. Like I've been doing this for 25 years mm. and I'm writing my book. And last week I had a meltdown and I was like, this is going to be really crap. Who's going to want to read this? There's nothing interesting in this. All the stories are really boring. This is going to be a total flop. Um, what if someone doesn't like it? What if they think I'm an idiot? What if they just not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough? And so, again, sometimes what I do is I just go, I actually can't find my wise self life right now. So I'm just going to actually feel the feelings. Mm-hmm. And sit with them and acknowledge them and not try to push them away and just be a bit shit. Mm-hmm. Just be a bit shit and be like, and have the compassion to let myself be a bit shit. And I don't have to be better. I don't have to find my wise self. I don't have to be high performing because I can't be high performing all the time. So I've just got to have compassion to go, it's all right, since you can have a little meltdown and go to bed or eat ice cream or whatever you want to do. It's okay. And because you're human. So I think, um, you know, all these tools on self-improvement, I mean, we love them, but also they're not a rod to beat yourself with. They're not a rod to to whip yourself and go, I should, I should be better. I, I've got to, you know, we can all, we can all, we've all got a lot of room in our journeys to learn and grow and, but we're human mm-hmm. and it's, and again, it's like, it's okay not to be okay. And we've got to have the compassion to let ourselves Absolutely. That's a discussion that Meg and I had all around resilience, actually. So my good friend Meg Durham and I, mm. we had a whole podcast on resilience and that is a huge part of resilience, is which we have been missing generally in society, is actually feeling the feelings. Yeah. You can't just skip the feel, the feelings bit and think, oh, I'm like being stoic and just being able to cope yeah. with everything and I'm fine and I'll just power on. That's not resilience. No. <laughs> like, And even resilience, like resilience, what does it mean? It means... I'm sure you had this discussion, but there's an element of, again, it's sort of for me that's a bit of an element of high performing, like, and grit. You know, you grit, you get through it, you, you, you know, you armour up, you, you put on your war, your combat clothes and you get out there and you you get through it, you're resilient. Mm. There's something softer that's needed, um, which this is what my theme of cultivate, you know, cultivate, you think of the seasons that, we have winter, we have autumn, but we have spring and summer and we've got to prune, you know, we've got to cut things back, we've got to let go of stuff to allow new stuff to form. But there's sort of, for me, there's something softer in that that we will have our winter, we will have a place where we need to just stop and rest and, and perhaps be dormant for a while. But then there'll be other times where we're, where we're flourishing and, and, you know, we're bearing fruit and we're, but we're not going to be all of those things. Um, they're not permanent. They're very, um, so there's so sort of, uh, with resilience, there's something that I want there that's softer. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Completely agree. And that's what we're talking about. It's the feeling bit almost. Mm. Like just let, you've got to sit through the feelings of it and be okay with that and give yourself the self-compassion and sit with all of that. And as you were talking there, that reminded me of Kate Northrup's book, Do Less, actually. She talks about right. those cycles as well and it's like, ah. The upward cycle, so you sort of you have the you know you stop for a bit, you yeah. pause, and then you up yeah. again, and yeah, and getting more comfortable with that too. And it's mm-hmm. okay, as you say, to be not okay, and it's a huge yeah. thing that we need to talk about more as well. But yeah. I think that is such great advice that I love the bus analogy so much, and I think for a lot of women, you know, even at at, at say my age, almost forty. We still oh. have so many people don't even spring, such a spring chicken, Katrina. Yeah, such a spring chicken. Almost forty. <laughs> Um, a lot of women still at our age don't even know that we are not our thoughts. Like no. different thoughts and that, you know, we're not just like 
so that in itself can be having that awareness can be so empowering just to understand that you have these different voices in your head and there is a way that you can actually work with them and you don't have to be a victim to them as such and they don't have to control you you know but quite often that can be the work though can't it learning to work that's the work that's the self-awareness work and because otherwise for me we're just um we're just sorry I'm just thinking of that quote I'm going to sound like a massive wanker here that quote by Jung um that says (laughs) (laughs) no there's a there's a quote which says unless we make the unconscious conscious it will direct our lives and we will call it fate oh yeah love it yeah so so again if you're not self-aware if you don't do that work then you you are just on autopilot you're not in charge of your thoughts or you're not in charge of your actions Mm. you're just um reacting to whatever your subconscious and your conscious mind is throwing at you at any one time. And, and personally, I don't like the thought of being not in charge. Yeah. Not in charge of. Um, so so yeah, I just I feel like this work of of being more self aware. It is the very foundation. It all starts with you. It's no good pointing the finger at others. Um, it, it all starts with you and the choices that you make and the decisions that you make. And hopefully from a place of consciousness. And 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 then, like you said, Katrina, you stuff up. We stuff up all the time. But, again, not shaming, but learning from that, that, that it's all learning and growth and, and then allowing other people to do that as well. Oh, I, just, I just feel like singing, Cynthia. I think, <laughs> just, I think that's the perfect place to wrap it up because that was just like the best little... <laughs> so much nodding and smiling from me Absolute to everything that you are saying I just I love that so much such great advice it all starts with you getting more conscious but also having self-compassion on that journey is just yeah work so I think that's a lovely place to wrap up today thank you so much for your beautiful insights and all of your sharing and I just could talk to you all day Cynthia it's just so good um and I think it would have been so helpful for our audience and yeah I'm so so grateful to you for your time especially when you're in lockdown although what better time to do it and have a great chat like this than when you're in lockdown really exactly and I've got no excuse my book has had like two extensions so far it's due on the 6th of the 3rd of September so I have no excuses. I have to sit there and I've got to fight. I've got to fight myself, you know, fight my own insecurities and fight, um, you know, just just finish it. It's finish the work. It. <laughs> Do the work. Do the work and finish it. So, yeah, lockdown does have some some advantages. Yeah. So, um, Katrina, thank you so much for having me and, and everyone out there. Just, um, you know, and you're all doing your best. That's the thing. We're all doing our best, and um, but but how good is it if we can kind of go? Yeah, I'm doing my best, and I've got some room to grow. So, what might I try to focus on? And um, so, tuning into podcasts like Katrina, that's a great place to start. Oh, thank you, Cynthia. I love that. Such great advice too. And thank you so much for your kind words and for your time. And thank you all for listening. And we will see you again next week. See you guys. Bye.